0: that who Joining us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. It is a name synonymous, certainly, with football in the state of Indiana. And I can't wait to talk about that. And then some Colts rookie tight end, Will Mallory joins us. Hey, Will, first time on the show with us here in Indy. Thank you very much, my friend. How you doing? i'm doing well yeah thank you for having me i am a huge fan like many others of your family uh and certainly uh your uncle your uncle kurt i'm an indiana state grad so i'm yep, big time awesome. big time sycamore guy and i, I, <laughs> I love go. i love kurt I, i'm, I'm serious when you first found out this was going to be your destination how many flooding memories did you have about the state of indiana just how much love the state has for your family name
1: yeah, it was obviously it was a big big moment for for my family and the fact that it was, you know, here in Indiana just, you know, means a lot to us and um just with, you know, the history, I mean, I grew up coming here, you know, um in Bloomington um as a kid and just a lot of great memories and uh just it means a lot to
0: my family. You went to Miami? Why was Miami, and I know you're out of Jacksonville, Florida, high school-wise, why was Miami that destination? You had a lot of SEC schools, Big Ten schools. Why was Miami that selection and the best spot for you? Uh, yeah, I, I felt really good with,
1: you know, what they were doing with the offense at the time and how they how they used their tight ends, and they, they pitched that to me, and I, I saw myself fit in there, and, you know, um, obviously Michigan was, you know, a uh, the next one up really for me and i think i just kind of wanted to go to miami do my thing and you know be a part of that like tight in you tradition i thought that was you know super cool
0: was there a a major michigan um not being upset but just just kind of disappointing because you didn't choose their school to play football
1: Uh, Not from my family, at least I feel. They were very supportive of wherever I wanted to go. But, I mean, either way, I've always been a Michigan fan. I I still root for them now.
0: Did you get a full-court press from any former Hurricanes coming out of high school to go there?
1: No, <laughs> no, nah, yeah. nah, it was. Yeah, they just—they uh, coach Rick and Todd Hartley, the coach at the time, did such a great job, and I just felt that that was home for me.
0: Well, it's just funny. All, a lot of those Hurricane guys, formerly, especially of that Golden Era, kind of stick together in terms of who they want to get there and how they recruit. They do a a lot of talking to those uh, possible incoming guys out of mm-hmm. high school too. So uh, good talking to you. Will Mallory joins us here via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Was it a surreal moment when you caught your first? NFL pass, or was it like you've been there before? How how was that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it was a little mixture of both. I think it was, you know, like, hey, I popped wide open, and I was like, I'm going to get this ball, and, um, you know, it just felt like it was all in slow motion. Adrenaline was pumping and stuff and it it was a really cool moment but you know i felt i felt good out there felt like i fit in and um yeah it was definitely a special moment and just want to keep building off that i
0: feel like that i would need a diaper during that moment too. probably during (laughs) all all those moments does that take extra focus i mean now now you kind of got the feel and you know what it's like i mean you you caught a couple and you've been hit a couple of times you get that feeling there but did that first one take a little bit extra attention to detail
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, when it's up in the air, it felt like it was there forever. and I'm just (laughs) waiting for it to come down. And um, now, yeah, like I said, it kind of just felt like it was in slow motion. And then, you know, once I got it, it was just
0: trying to make something happen just run. (laughs) No doubt. Well, Mallory, the tight end, by the way, 49 yards receiving in those two catches over the weekend, the Colts victory over Houston. That is a big tight end room that you're involved with right now. How much is there to soak up and learn? And how is it from guy to guy? in that room uh, as far as team orientation there? I was kind of curious about that.
1: Yeah, no, it's been a great room since I've gotten here. You know, um, it's still a young group relatively, but we still got some older guys, you know, with Mo and Kylan playing for a couple years now. So um, they've been nothing but great to me and, you know, helping me in my process. And um, it's obviously a competitive room, but um, they've done a great job, of I feel like, of taking me under their wing and, you know, trying to help me on on things that I can improve on. And, And then overall, I mean, it's a, you know, coach told us it's a it's a group by committee so it's however we can help the team and obviously those guys have you know uh good stuff going on and it's just hey whatever I can do to help um that's what I'm going to do and uh but it's it's a really good group.
0: Will does the timing and and then the destination here in Indy does it all feel right to you and the reason why I ask is I think there was some thought maybe that you would would come out a year earlier you decided to go back to Miami and I was always curious would you have second thoughts out of that or do you feel like everything worked out the way everything should work out in this case?
1: Yeah, I'm a believer in that. Just that everything, you know, works the way it's supposed to. And I felt like I needed to come back for one more year. There's more stuff I wanted to do at Miami, and uh, I just wasn't ready to leave yet. And um, I, yeah, I feel like it worked out. It worked out well. Um, I'm happy to be here
0: your um your signature right now like what do you feel like you're most complete at doing at your position and then on the other hand will what are some things that you know and again you can lean on that wide receiving room for a little bit of help side as well what are some things you you truly need to to soak up here moving forward as a rookie
1: uh, yeah, I think it's just, you know, learning to become more of a complete tight end. And I think, you know, uh, I've got some good receiving skill. And, you know, I can make plays after the catch, but I, I think there's something that I want to prove to to the team and, uh, you know, to others that I can be a complete tight end and I want to, you know, work on my blocking game and just be a, a complete tight end and as well as special teams. Uh, you know, just whatever I can do to contribute, that's what, that's what I want to do. I
0: think it was the second catch. Was it not on Sunday when you had a lot of space, right? Was it the second one or the Friday? I can't remember now. Oh, uh, the, the first one. first one, yeah. yeah. Uh, the second one, I don't know how it squeezed into you, too. Kind of got there. I want to talk about the one where you had all that space. Did it seem like you had the acres of space out there as it looked on TV? Or is it a little bit tighter because that's the first time that ball is, is coming at you and you're about ready to catch it? How How'd that feel just outside of the focus and the attention of detail that you had for that moment?
1: Yeah, the, the first catch, definitely. Once I caught it, it was... You felt that you were wide open, yeah. and and you almost in those you're like you don't even know what to do because you're so surprised you're that wide open and just hey run and try and make as many more yards as you can. But um, yeah, no, it was it, it
0: just worked out that way. Yeah, you, you you catch and I'm I'm sure in the future, man, you're going to take off probably even faster. But I'm assuming you're just saying I'm, I got to secure this football right now, man. That's no what I've got to do. I'm out here all by myself. I don't want this to be the first highlight right here. I'm all no by myself. But uh, the second one. Were you surprised that got to you in that moment?
1: Uh, no, I, I I mean, I guess watching the film I didn't realize how tight it was with that um uh corner coming over. Yeah. Um but it, I mean, it was a great throw by by Gardner and he put it right where it needed to be and so it yeah, it didn't feel like it was a um that tight of a throw or catch until i watch the film
0: he is Will mallory the rookie tied in for the colts via the andy moore automotive group hotline colts in baltimore coming up on sunday i want to get to that matchup and a little bit more on your family in a second but you had two quarterbacks on the field on sunday anthony richardson started obviously he exited the game and then you had gardner Minshew. give me some differences in the huddle outside the huddle you just in preparation to receive a pass from either one. Some of the the, the subtle differences and, and maybe some of the things that, that obviously only you and others on your team might notice about some of those differences on the field with your quarterbacks
1: uh yeah I think uh just like any player, they both have their certain skill sets and you know what they can do um but at the end of the day they're both they're both studs, and we're lucky to have them and uh whoever's in uh we know when everyone has that full trust in them that they're going to command the offense and make stuff happen so no matter who it is, obviously unfortunate that you know that anthony got hurt and um but uh you know whoever's in you know we feel comfortable with with either
0: it looks like when anthony throws it it uh, more times than not comes in pretty damn hot um how hot how hot is that football coming in there when you know he's got a rifle at in there between a couple of guys
1: yeah, he's got a big arm. He's got a talented arm. So, um, But it is, that's what his job is, is to throw it. And it's our, our job to make the play and catch it. So no matter what the speed is or whatever it is, you know that's on us to make the play. He, he's going to put it where it needs to be.
0: I'm assuming this is still a work in progress. But, but how easy or lack thereof has this offense been for you to soak up and grasp? Uh, I feel like, you know,
1: I, I've picked it up well. I mean, just like any rookie, there's there's just the finer details that you really have to, you know, hone in on and, and, and you know, make sure that you got it down. But um, I feel like the coaches have done a great job of, of teaching it to us, and I feel like all the new guys and everyone uh, learning it has, has done a good job of, of soaking it up. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's been a smooth, smooth transition.
0: He is Will Mallory who joins us. Did you watch any film of any current or past tight ends to try to even better prep yourself? for your rookie season?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I've, I always love watching tight ends. And, you know, it, it always happens to be I I watch a lot of the Miami guys. So um, I always love watching Greg Olson and, um, you know, Jimmy Graham and, and really just all the, the tight ends in the league now. Um, so I just pay attention to them and, you know, trying to pick up a thing or two is is what I
0: like to do. Did you at all go back and watch what Philly did a year ago when your coach was the offensive coordinator there? and For example, watch how Dallas Goddard was used. And, and others were used in that system a year ago?
1: Yeah, no doubt. We, we've watched a lot of, of their film and see how they've used all three of those tight ends, and um, and they all do different things really well. And um, so, yeah, it, it's cool to see them using that many tight ends in and, and different ways.
0: Baltimore's pretty good, pretty good defense, obviously offensively led by Lamar Jackson, very good as well. What are your initial impressions on that defense you guys are going to see in Baltimore on Sunday in Week 3?
1: Yeah, uh, impressive defense, you know. They're aggressive, and, you know, um, they, they make stuff happen. So it's, it's going to be a great matchup for us, and we got to prepare accordingly. I know we are, and the coach has got a good good uh,
0: plan for us. So, Go back to um, training camp for a moment. Did you have to do any singing in front of your teammates <laughs> at all? What what did you end up having to do? I never heard. Sometimes mm-hmm. you hear, sometimes you I mean, if you watch Hard Knocks, then you get to see it all. But did you have to do anything? Did you have to entertain at any moment during camp?
1: uh yeah we we all had to sing and i was on top of snacks for the room so
0: it wasn't wasn't too bad i apologize for
1: everyone that had to listen to me sing but um
0: what what snacks did you bring
1: uh whatever the guys wanted a lot of sunflower seeds or whatever just in meetings whatever they whatever they wanted
0: okay what did you sing
1: uh i sung ain't no mountain high Um, that's
0: beautiful dude that's beautiful
1: uh, (laughs) did you know it word for word I did, but I I didn't sound anything like Marvin Gaye.
0: (laughs) Did did you rehearse it? This is the best right here. Did you rehearse it a couple of different times? Uh, Pretty much the majority of the summer, yeah. (laughs) beautiful, man. Was this in the car, this at home, just quiet times? you do it in front of people? Yeah, definitely in the car,
1: just driving anywhere, just kept kept replaying it. But uh, no, I I didn't practice really in front of anyone.
0: (laughs) Is that – correct me if I'm wrong on this. Is that – kind of the, the locker room moment from uh, Remember the Titans? Correct. Oh, yeah, man. Is that where you got this idea? <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: that and that was, a, it's a quicker song that I, I could remember the words to pretty easily.
0: Man, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm kind of forced to right here. Can you Can you give me a line or two? that, that you feel comfortable <laughs> with? No, I I'll <laughs> save that for the teammates. <laughs> I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna stick to football. It, well, I tell you what, you'll never want to be out with me, but if you ever get out with me live, I, I swear to you I'm gonna make you do this, okay? <laughs> okay <I'll- laughs> <laughs> you that to. Um it, it's Will Mallory with us. Before I let you go, I, I do I've heard about this before obviously from Kurt and others. Um when you guys as the Mallorys get together, what do you guys do you guys watch film? Do you do like no- <laughs> what do you guys do? Normal stuff? What happens in a family gathering? with the mallories because i just kind of have in my mind that it's just football talk after football talk going on
1: uh yeah yeah i mean if it's any time if we are lucky enough to get together kind of during the holidays and there's football on um that's obviously going to be what we're watching and and whatnot and then um but yeah i mean i mean we, we we do a good job of you know of of like making it family time and and whatnot, but yeah, definitely a lot of footballs being talked, which is which is cool because then I, you know, kind of pick up stuff from my uncles, and my dad, and and whoever. But uh, yeah, so a lot of football for sure.
0: Yeah, we're gonna get both of us in trouble on this one before I let you go. Who was uh who was the best collegiate player in the Mallory family? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know it's tough that's a tough it, one yeah i i don't want to get either one of us in trouble on this um i, yeah. I, I would say I, i'll say kurt just because i talked to kurt um yeah you, be, you better say your dad be honest with you so, <laughs> <laughs> you, better, you better say your dad um, yeah. hey i tell you what will congratulations on getting your feet off the ground last week down in Houston and hopefully there's more to come offensively from that and remember if you ever get out with me live there's going to have to be at least a couple of lines of this kind of like reliving that locker room moment right there if you will. That sounds good. But hey it's good to talk with you man. Give everybody in the family our best because you know this the state of Indiana absolutely adores the Mallory family man and I always thought that that was cool as hell. You guys mean much. both on and off the field means so much to so many around here but it's awesome to talk with you best of luck in the future and hopefully we do it again down the road buddy thank you absolutely thank you so much that is will mallory right there the colts the rookie tight end Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, a little bit more insight on the competition coming up on Sunday in Baltimore. Following the 2-0 and Baltimore Ravens from the Believe Podcast Network, Kari Thompson joins us now. Hello, Kari. How are you? Doing wonderfully. How are you? I have seen the numbers and I have heard the conversation. I have yet to talk to anybody, Corey, that has been there on the scene. How much better does this offense look this year with Lamar Jackson at the controls compared to, and again, it's a thumbnail sketch of two weeks, though. How much better has it looked so far compared to years past?
2: I think the Bengals game showed you exactly what this offense can look like. And one thing that was noted right off the bat in week one is how often the Ravens used three wide receiver sets. That was something they just didn't do very much under Greg Roman. When he was there, it was mostly about running backs, the running game and tight ends. But under Todd Monk and the new offensive coordinator, they're spreading teams out and taking advantage of matchups. And I think basically you could put it qualitatively in this way. Lamar Jackson looked as at ease, as in control as he's ever looked in a Ravens uniform. And some of the throws that he was making against the Bengals, I I feel like if if there's a whole season of this, I think people are going to really find out just how good this guy is when he now has weapons on the outside that he just has never had as long as he's been in Baltimore.
0: Zay Flowers, the rookie, is one of those. That was their target in the draft. They got exactly who they wanted. How has he acclimated to that position? And a lot, I'm assuming, being placed on his shoulders there offensively in Baltimore early on in his career.
2: I think it's been a dream so far. I mean, so in the first week, they were just trying to manufacture some touches, get the ball in his hands, quick screens, you know, an end around or two. But he was running real routes in in week one, and he was running big time routes in week two, and he hit with Lamar Jackson on one of those a big deep ball down the field. What was interesting about that play is that Lamar Jackson actually missed Zay Flowers, passed up an opportunity to throw that ball earlier in the game, and Zay Flowers is like, hey, I got him. Just look for me again later on. And he did. And Flowers, I think people really underestimated just how much of a complete wide receiver Zay Flowers is because you look at the speed and the quickness, and you think, okay, he's a slot guy, kind of a jitterbug. Like, no, Zay Flowers can play everywhere. He can go get the ball down the field. He can make contested catches. So I really don't think it could possibly be going better for Zay Flowers. I mean, he's even throwing his body around in the run game blocking. I mean, he's just the ultimate competitor. He fits so well with Lamar in that regard.
0: Guy Thompson, he covers the Ravens podcast. The Believe Podcast Network joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, Again, a little bit of a background to the Colts. The first two weeks of the season, really the lone edge. Well, against Houston, they had a lot of edges because you guys saw Houston and they're not any good. But granted, the consistency of this defensive line has been an edge for the Colts so far. So I haven't seen too much of the Ravens to this point. What does their offensive line look like? Because in terms of maybe the best group, that the Colts can put on the field, you probably start there with an edge with that defensive line. What's the old line of Baltimore look like to start the first couple of weeks of the season?
2: It is hurt. Now I will say that they played pretty solidly in week two, gave Lamar Jackson the time that he needed to, you know, peruse down the field and make some big plays. Week one was a bit of an adventure because there, there was, you know, injuries guys going in and out. Tyler Linderbaum starting center goes down in the middle of the game. Ronnie Stanley, who's had a lot of injury issues, goes down in the game. Now, they had Patrick McCarry at left tackle in Ronnie Stanley's stead. And then you had Dan Mustafer, who was an undrafted free agent who played with Chicago. He really didn't play terribly well, but they needed him to play because they just didn't have very good offensive line depth. But he comes to to Baltimore and plays well for them in week two. So I still think that's an area that the Colts probably should be able to take advantage of, of the Ravens a little bit just because there are injuries there. But this is where it's going to get interesting as far as Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator. Can he scheme around that? Because it looked like he did it. In week two. And again, you're going to see some of these quick throws get it out of your hands into your playmakers. Lamar Jackson spreading things out, hitting short routes, just getting the ball out of the hands and neutralizing that defensive front. Because I think that if you sit there and you do five and seven-step drops all game, eventually that offensive line could get exposed
0: a bit. Let's try uh, Thompson again covers the Ravens on the Andy Moore Auduboniff Group hotline, and we know this Ravens defense always to be aggressive, and certainly, historically speaking with John Harbaugh, one of the best in the NFL year after year after year, what is their look so far through the first two weeks and what do you expect them once they really get into the groove what's the expectation of this group defensively moving forward this season
2: you know, what's interesting is I don't know if we're going to see that for a little while because you don't have Marlon Humphrey, their best cornerback, quite possibly their best defensive player outside of linebacker Roquan Smith. And then you also lost Marcus Williams when he your starting safeties to injury as well, and he might be gone for the year. We, we don't quite know the extent of his pectoral injury, but it doesn't. the prognosis doesn't seem very good. So you're getting into the depth of the Baltimore Ravens defense a little bit. But again, against the Bengals, they played pretty well. And they, they really limited Joe Burrow, especially in the first half. Though maybe that's just the Bengals needing to knock off some rust. But look, Rocky Sin, who is supposed to be the second cornerback on that team, opposite Marlon Humphrey, kind of been elevated to the number one position. He had some really good reps against Jamar Chase. And anytime you can have good reps against Jamar Chase, that's a very good sign. And just generally, I mentioned the linebacker. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, I think the other two linebackers playing next to each other are playing some really top-notch football right now. And expect, especially you know, depending on what happens with Anthony Richardson, whether it's Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew, expect to see a lot of those linebackers coming downhill in the passing game. They are both great blitzers. They The Ravens love sending them after quarterbacks. And they're also going to come downhill in the run game as well. So, as you said, it's going to be a very aggressive attacking defense. And it's one that they're they're just very deep. They have good depth so far at at, most of their positions. And even Jadeveon Clowney, a guy that they'd signed just before the season started, has been playing some pretty solid football as a pass rusher as well for a pass rush unit we weren't really sure was going to be very good.
0: Carl, you brought up former Colts cornerback Rocky Sine here, and I'm kind of curious, what was your thought going into the season? And you mentioned that he has played at least against the Bengals well above to this point your expectation.
2: I think that with him. I I looked at that as he was going to be a very solid bookend to Marlon Humphrey, who is clearly, he's a lockdown cornerback. He's the kind of guy that you pay big money to just take away one side of the field and, and, and really, you know, force the action to the other side. And so then you go ahead and you put the guy like Rocky Asin on the other side, a veteran cornerback, a solid, you know, dependable starter so that. Not only do you not have this overwhelming weakness on the other side, but maybe you have a strength compared to what other you know second cornerbacks in the league are but again, I think that just having him be on the roster has has really mattered a lot with Marlon Humphrey out because on the other side of things you've got. That's some more unproven guys like Jalen Armor Davis. You might see him playing a little bit. Or Ardarius Washington, who's played a little bit of, of cornerback and a little bit of safety. If you were trotting those guys out there as your main cornerbacks, that would be a problem. But because you have Rocky Asin, who again, I mean, that rips the ball away from Jamar Chase in the end zone. That is that is a difficult assignment. He's you know, Chase is an incredibly athletic receiver, but again. Rock's just physical play, I think, helps set the tone a little bit against what you would view probably as a, as a big time mismatch. <sighs>
0: Again, Kari Thompson, Believe Podcast, covers the Ravens with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And I guess it's because, Kari, we're in the situation now with Anthony Richardson and there's a lot of quarterback movement, a lot of running around outside the pocket. All that is designed offensively, and you have covered that and you have lived that with Lamar Jackson. You look at where Lamar Jackson is right now. How has so far this season compared – with this new offense, the new offensive coordinator and the weapons he has around him in terms of putting himself in in quote-unquote harm's way. Has he dialed that back? Is he more of a passing threat now? Or is that, that multi-threat still something that everybody has to keep an eyeball on, at least through the first two weeks of the season, Kari?
2: He's still very much a run threat. The thing is, I think people have misunderstood Lamar Jackson. For a while. It's not that he couldn't. Like he only just now is figuring out how to pass. Like, the guy could always pass the ball. But sometimes you would have injuries to the running back position like what you have now where they lost J.K. Dobbins. their starting running back for the season. And now you're signing guys like Kenyon Drink to come in and, and fill depth roles for this offense. So they needed Lamar Jackson to run more. I'll point this out. In week one, he had no designed runs at all. And I think some of that was just a matter of, okay, we're not really going to lean too hard into the game plan this week. Let's just pass the ball. Let's run the ball, you know, with our running backs and get out of here against the Texans and then move on to the Bengals. He had eight designed runs against the Bengals. So I, 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 expected there to be a little bit more from that standpoint. But I think when you've got quarterbacks like that, and, and like Anthony Richardson, whom, by the way, I think that on film, he's doing a lot of really nice things. I think people talked about Anthony Richardson like he was going to be some kind of project, like oh, maybe you can't play him in his first year. I don't, I didn't think that was the case at all, and I think he's done some good things. But again, as a rookie, you don't entirely know what you're looking at just yet. So there is going to be a little bit of you know, especially a guy that big, designed running, designed carries. There's going to be a little bit of him escaping the pocket and, and trying to make plays with his legs. But I think the key with, with Lamar Jackson is, again, finding an offensive coordinator that was willing to let him sling the rock. And I think that was something that was always a knock with Greg Roman. It was very run-based, you know, very heavy personnel. And you're throwing to Mark Andrews all the time. And look, eventually a team is going to say, well, the only guy they throw to is Mark Andrews, so let's go ahead and cover him. Now you cannot do that. They have too many weapons. They've got, in addition to Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr. Nelson Aguilar had himself a little mini breakout game last week. And then that doesn't even talk about Rashad Bateman and Devin DuVernay, guys that have been there for a couple of years. So as time goes on with Anthony Richardson, as they build this team around him a little bit, obviously you've got Alec Pierce and you got Michael Pittman as you continue to build that offense it's going to rely a little bit more with time on Anthony Richardson's arm and his ability to see defenses get the ball out of his hands but you never want to take away things that are that that make a guy special and Lamar Jackson in particular one of his his superpowers has been avoiding big hits when he runs he's just he's magical when it comes to that Hopefully, Anthony Richardson can
0: do the same. Hey, Carl, you sound, in closing here, incredibly young. uh, And certainly, the the hatred in Baltimore for the Colts here in Indy goes back. It's multi-generational now, back to 1984. How much of that that deeply rooted hatred is still looming in Baltimore of this Colts franchise in Indy?
2: You know, what's funny is I'm, I'm uh, you know, from Indiana myself. Oh,
0: you really? Uh, well, tell so, me a little bit more yeah. about it.
2: Well, so I'm from, from northwest Indiana myself, and, you know, I've, I've been, you know, i followed the Ravens for a really long time. But one of the things you hear about is, is especially from people I know that, that love the Browns, right, just the, the unbelievable, like, like kind of triangle of rage from, uh, you know, Art Modell moving the team out of town, and, and, the, and, you know, the, the Colts getting, you know, taken away and, you know, all, all of that. And so I think that there, there are, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that there's so much of that that I've experienced myself. But I do the podcast with a former Raven in, uh, in, in Danny Wilcox. And I think that the Colts are one of the teams that he kind of talked about where he wasn't around when that happened. But he was sort of born into the, the the rage, right? Because Ray Lewis was still there when when Danny Wilcox was playing. Yeah. And, and, and guys that had been there kind of from the beginning in 1996. And so I don't know how much of that necessarily persists in today's Ravens that, that are playing right now. Because most of them, right, are, are kind of like me. They're younger than me. And, and so that's not something that they hear a lot about but in terms of, of the owners, the guys that, are, that have kind of been around in executive positions for a long time, I, I would be shocked if there wasn't a little bit of you know what let's keep let, let's, let's put the screws to these guys a little bit because in the end, forever beefs are forever beefs for a reason. Yeah,
0: that's always it seems like it's getting less and less as the years go by, certainly, and that makes sense, but I always thought Kari, there was still something there too. Kari Thompson, Believe Podcast Network covers the Ravens. Kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, Kari, I appreciate you. Enjoy the game coming up on Sunday. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you.
2: Would love to. Have a great day.
0: Weekday mornings, Monday through Friday, beginning at 7 a.m. Right here, it is the morning wake-up call with Sweebo. Uh, this is the Bo part of it, the Kevin Bowen part of it on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Has there been anybody that you can compare that is as short-answered and and I guess, I don't know if it's called getting to the point, but trying to get to the end of something as quickly as possible as Shane Steigen?
3: You know, honestly, it kind of reminds me of when I ask these questions and the responses that I have been getting from him. It reminds me certainly of my effort in talking to girls in bars back in college, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit of post-college. So I'm used to it. Um, 38-year-old men, though, typically weren't the um, the people that I was asking those questions to. So, yeah, I, I guess he's a nicer Belichick. I don't know. Is that is that too harsh?
0: Yeah, I mean, people are automatically going to go, "Well, he's not Belichick yet." But I get exactly what you're saying, and yeah, just doesn't have a lot to say, doesn't want to let you in. And is that going to be is is that going to be him, or is that going to be him, or where you think his personality will grow as he kind of gets more comfortable with what he's doing right now?
3: Yeah, I actually think, like again, press conference settings to me, it's a nicer Belichick. He actually, I think, has more. personality I mean honestly I think we see his emotion in the sidelines you know post game locker room uh yeah, the guys enjoy his intensity and there is much more outward emotion there from him than you know Frank Reich I know that was a kind of comparison of like wait are the Colts getting Frank Reich or are they getting Nick Sirianni and I remember back in that you know spring period where we were talking about that more I was like no 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 I think this is more Sirianni so I know that's there but boy as soon as that red light comes on yeah, you're not you're not getting it, and I don't think we will. I think he he treats everything as a competitive advantage. I think I think that's exactly what it is. Even positive things, he doesn't want to dive into it all. Um, so yeah, I just think that's how it's going to be. Um, and I don't if that's how it is in year one. I... I yeah. I don't know. Maybe if they start winning more, or you know, whatever. He'll feel more comfortable. But he just doesn't strike me as that that type of guy.
0: It's interesting, too, Kev. You bring up competitive advantage, and there was nobody that had that philosophy more than Bill Polian did here. Yet, Bill Polian would talk for five minutes and answer a question. You know what I mean? I mean, he had. Right. He would. I mean, right. every, every, but but he also knew how many paper clips would be on somebody's desk. On either side. I mean, he was—he knew absolutely everything was going on because everything for him was a competitive advantage. You can just see from Polian to Steichen. You know, one talks and you know wants to get their ideas and wants to be able, you know, to—I I guess in terms of what Polian did, he wanted to make sure that that his opinion and information was out there in front of everything else as much as possible. And Steichen, you know, gives you like four or five word answer so i guess there are different ways to go about it when you're looking for that competitive edge that you're talking about
3: yeah i think i mean you go back to his opening press conference i mean he was emotional in that and i mean there are times where he was probably a little bit more expansive but now as they've gotten closer to the season um he is not a guy that feels the need to talk a lot to show you how smart he is he's incredibly intelligent but you won't get that in, in terms of, like, just how many words he feels necessary to use for, for a given answer. But I, it almost seems like he treats every question with, like, wait, what are you trying to get out of that? Like, he, he really has that kind of, like, is there something that you're asking that can be treated as competitive advantage from the opponent? And it's like, well, not every question, I think, is viewed in that light. I understand the reason and being short. Um, and some questions, but, ma'am, it seems like it's everyone. So I'll keep asking, and I'll keep on reminding me of me and Bloomington or me and Broderville.
0: Hey, what was um, – give me a Bloomington worst-case scenario for you. Is there one time when you got so incredibly shot down when you're going after it – and listen, at least you're going after it, right? But when you got so incredibly shot down that it is embedded in your memory forever, what's at the top of your list?
3: Yeah, there's certainly a moment or two where, you know, it was getting late and you knew the lights were, you know, about to uh, about to come on and, and you felt like, okay, you know, my buddy seems to be good friends with her friend and I seem to be somewhat vibing with her friend. And then, boy, those lights come on. And just for some reason, uh, all parties did not go the exact way that in my mind I thought all parties would be going. So, um, yeah, that would probably be. I, I have a bit of vivid imagery from um, <laughs> a couple of instances of when that happened. <laughs> and I, I swear to you, John, I, these and press conferences end, and that's exactly what I think about. I'm <laughs> like, man, what a waste of a question by me, and what a waste. Yeah, I, I just, it, I guess at least in you know college, I knew there was a you know Friday night we turned into Saturday I'd Be staking pressers, you know. Tomorrow, I got nothing. I to like meet the media tomorrow, and I know Friday it's going to be the same exact thing. I don't have the liquid courage, I guess, in those press conference settings that maybe I had back in college. I always
0: thought it was all about timing, and I just had the worst timing. You know, there are moments when you kind of peek out, right? It's what you were talking about with your days in Bloomington. You peek out, and you wish you would have uh, been a little bit more direct at that moment, and then you wait a little bit longer because you're not ready to go in just yet, and then you miss your opportunity.
3: Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, timing. Yeah, I, I'd like to chalk it up to that. But I just—I you know, always said, how can you idea. pass
0: up this these handsome, handsome, chiseled features right here? What the hell's wrong with you?
3: Yeah, I think there are moments where I look like Leon Lett holding the football. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh boy, I am just fumbling, fumbling like, like no
0: other. Oh man, Bloomington is glorious, but it'll get you. I mean, it will get you too sometimes. <laughs> it, it would. Um, spring, summer. Uh, Winter or fall, it'll end up getting you. Kevin Bowen joins us. Um, I know that there had been some sentiment regarding Richardson and concussion protocol. And I don't know what a schedule is. I don't even know what being ahead of schedule might be. But there was some positivity surrounding a chance that he plays on Sunday. And, Kev, I was asked this on Sunday night on Fox 59. I told Hagan. I said, if I were a betting man right now, I'd bet he wasn't going to play in Baltimore. And I don't know if that's erring on the side of caution or if that's just him not completely overcoming concussion protocol. And I know there was some positivity earlier in this week. Um, Does that remain right now after today? I, I guess, what is your thought after witnessing what you did today and knowing what you know regarding concussion protocol and specifically Anthony Richardson with that in mind?
3: Yeah, I think the reason for optimism, honestly, you even saw by him even attending practice today. I mean, I, I recall, and he didn't practice, but I recall numerous times, and Ryan Kelly, I guess, falls on the other side of it, where, you know, we've gone out to practice on a Wednesday after a Sunday game. A guy is in concussion protocol, and they don't even let him go outside. Um, and Richardson, by all accounts, is outside like the immediate day after. Um, you know, sometimes light exposure, things like that, there's a sensitivity that can kind of elicited some of those concussion symptoms, and clearly they feel comfortable. I mean, it was, it was hot today, 85 degrees and the sun beating down, and clearly they felt comfortable him being out there for two hours. So I think that is, is, these are some of the good signs in that you're not going to get a Shaquille Leonard out for three weeks. Or I think back to Ryan Kelly's first concussion with the Colts where he missed you know, over a month. Now, is it enough to play on Sunday? Yeah, that's certainly a very much in doubt after missing today. Um, you know, I tend to think, and Drew Ogletree was an example of it last week, he missed Wednesday, practiced limited Thursday with a no-contact jersey, practiced full on Friday, cleared on Saturday. Now, with Richardson, you would have a situation that you'd have to ask yourself if he could follow that same pattern. But did he miss too much today? And, again, that's another question Shane Steichen wouldn't get into. But today's a first and second down day. I mean, today's a very big installation day and getting ready for a defense that it's not obvious what they're going to give you. I think it's a defense that um, certainly is going to be much different looking than what you saw in the first couple of weeks, especially with Houston. So I think that's where you'd have some questions of, even if he practiced tomorrow, would that be enough to get him to – you know, Sunday. So right now, I'd probably lean towards him not playing. But again, with these things, you just never know if a guy practices Thursday, and continues to progress, and you know doesn't play the quarterback position. They tend to play. Now, um, you know, he plays quarterback. That's a little different. His age is a little different. His experience in the league. All of those things you have to factor in. But I, I guess I'd continue to reiterate. I feel encouraged that this is not going to be some multiple week, month long thing. And in some cases.
0: It can be that. Kevin Bowen, the morning wake-up call with Sweebo, 7 until 10 a.m. right here on the fan weekday mornings. As you wake up, they get you interested in some sports, talk to you, talk with you, and uh, tell you what you need to know. Kev's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So I I brought this up a little bit earlier, and you know this as well. um, Most of the time doing this, we're put in situations where we have to come up with an absolute conclusion, um, even though in a day – In five days, in a week, in a month, we may end up looking like a horse's ass because we're so inaccurate. But we have to have an answer right here and right now. Um, So I've asked kind of the callers and the listeners of this today, can you imagine, have you thought about, let's just say, for example, Richardson does not play and Minshew goes in and has a stellar game. Plays well, they go on, they beat Baltimore on the road, can you imagine cracking the mic at 7 a.m. on Monday morning and the sentiment in which you are going to hear? Do you think people still will say, hey, this is Richardson's ball game right here moving forward? Or will that thirst of winning, since we haven't seen that in so long around here, overtake everybody and say, hey, Minshew needs to be the guy? Again, a huge hypothetical way before the time, but just a thought on what we might witness if that were to occur on Monday. Wow, that's a
3: um, that is certainly one that I haven't thought of.
0: Because um, I can tell yeah. you this, I bet, I bet the philosophies among those listeners and Colts fans will shift if yeah. they win yeah. and Menchú looks good. Because here's why I say that, Kev, I, I think you had a bit of a shift with the way that he came in there in a pinch and performed at least at the end of that first half in Houston on Sunday I think you had kind of a shift there this would be to me against this team a monumental shift if that were to occur on Sunday
3: yeah I mean it's certainly hypothetical but there's no way to answer this in the way I'm going to answer it without disparaging Minshew which right. I, I want to preface by saying I think he's a very good backup high-end backup in this league very good um I think his resume would indicate that I mean um you know, touchdown to interceptions is what, like three to one. I mean, you just don't see that from backup guys very often, spot starters, whatever you want to call them. Uh, His record is, I think I actually looked it up the other day, eight and 16 or something like that. So that obviously is a little bit, you know, more, I think, you know, accurate. We've seen this guy as a full-time starter. We kind of know, I mean, last year, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think he lost both of the starts with Philly. um, And that obviously was a ton of skill talent around him. So, um, I'd like to think, and I know this is there's no way to say this without it being kind of a loser mentality, but I'd like to think we keep in mind the big picture of the season. And it's about Anthony Richardson's development. And yes. the end-all be-all of it is strictly that. And it's unfortunate that the franchise is in that position, but you are. And you, I think you have to live in that and acknowledge that and not say that if you get to the end of the season and somehow Gardner Minshew has been the starting quarterback and you have won eight games... That does absolutely nothing, in my opinion, for your franchise in a very positive direction. Um, Richardson will have missed out on, you know, massive amounts of valuable reps, and then you'll be drafting in the middle of round one, and you will, you know, lessen the chance to find that true kind of cornerstone piece that you, I think you want to have with Richardson moving forward. And I mean, in a way, John, you could look at last week and say, I tend to think that you just needed a win really badly. I mean, you hadn't had a multi-score win in, you know, over a year and a half, uh, you know, row divisional wins by that margin (laughs) certainly have not happened. Especially against that team, team yes. And and so I think you just needed that. But there is part of me that's like, man, a win like that where Gardner Minshew plays three quarters, I don't know how much that does for you big, big picture. Um, Again, that's probably a little bit too short-sighted of me to say that. But if that became the trend, I think I would have that thought more and more. So um, I understand you'd be two and one. You've been a quality football team, arguably your toughest challenge of the year. I know Baltimore's you know, pretty banged up as well, so you have to acknowledge that. But, um, I mean, even look back at, at Sunday. Yes, Minshew was thrown in the fire. There were three touchdowns – or there were three scoring drives right away. But, I mean, it's not like that offense moved it just up and down the field at will with him a quarterback. I think he only scored three points in the second half, so – I would still be very much of the side of no, no, no. Great, great performance, but you draft him four overall. You give him the starting keys in mid August for a reason, and that's to play him. It's to play him through the good, it's to play him through the bad, no matter what. And Gardner Minshew's a nice backup, but he's also played in the league for four or five years, and I think ultimately we kind of know who he is.
0: Yeah, I I think that if let's just say if my scenario were to occur, I think we would you guys on Monday morning stating the obvious, which I think is what you just pointed out. I think we would all be in the minority there with fans because that thirst of winning in the moment is, I think, going to be a little bit overcoming. If again, this is that's a wild theory. It uh, probably won't happen, but if it did, it certainly will be interesting, I'm sure, to talk about and talk with folks, the Colts fans out there, coming up on Monday. It's uh, Kevin Bowen with us from the morning show. Um, I was also talking about this, and Bob Kravitz brought this up with me yesterday. He made a comparison in his latest column, the vibe is what he called it, of Anthony Richardson to that of Andrew Luck. And and I disagreed, and here's why. Because Andrew Luck was reckless. Andrew Luck, they didn't call plays for him to run down the field and then take on a linebacker without sliding and get bent over like a broken folding chair. They didn't call those plays. And this offense, Anthony Richardson, these are designed runs, and this will continue to be offensively a staple of this team, regardless moving forward. And then to add with that, to me, it reinforces even more so why I'm glad they started the season with him because this all, Kev, is a part of him at being 21, very inexperienced. This is all a part of his growing and learning process.
3: Yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, you, you have to learn. I mean, Richardson's been the biggest dude on the football field pretty much throughout his entire career. Um, you know, Typically, I think guys, I mean, two of the three injuries have occurred on defensive backs hitting him. I'd be willing to guess when defensive backs have hit him in the past. They've just kind of pinballed off of him. And sure, he, he played in the SEC, but it's still, it's not like the entire Florida schedule is filled with Alabama. I mean, there's still many times where he, he was, again, the fastest, the biggest, however you want to describe it. Certainly was that in high school. Um, and I do think there's an element of Richardson entering the league, John, where I mean, he had one year of starting experience at Florida. He really wasn't hurt in that one year. He was honestly a little bit more injury-prone in the year where he kind of like Eminem Emory Jones would split a little bit or he'd come in the sub-package stuff. Um, he had a concussion at Florida. He, I think it was a hamstring injury, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say he had surgery at one point on a knee. Um, I know at the end of his high school career, uh, he, he didn't play like the back half of that season due to a due to throwing shoulder injury. And honestly, the hit, I remember – Seeing the hit um, on that documentary that's been out there on Richardson and Bryce Young, it, it, it honestly reminded me a bit of the hit in the uh, at the end of the Jacksonville game when a guy kind of gets a clean shot on his shoulder there. Um, so we really don't have like the oh yeah he started for three years in college and missed one game like that was never a, a stat I guess that we pointed to when the draft process was going around i mean you have some quarterbacks that have injury history and they fall a little bit in the draft you've got other guys that that's a positive to their game with richardson i think it would be fair to label it more as an unknown just wear and tear of you're starting one season to the next and 13 games turns into 26 turns into 39 and you know how does that play out for you from a health standpoint Uh, but to your point yeah i think it's a great one and that's why I've kind of been adamant all week long of if he does clear concussion protocol, I would play him. Um, No, I agree. Yes. For him to learn and to realize that, you know, Josh Allen is not supposed to be the embodiment here. It's supposed to be more of the Jalen Hurts approach to the season where Hurts has been very open-minded about, no, no, no. I need to get down a little bit more and, and and need to do those things of learning when it's just time to eat it. Frankly, it's, it's second and seven. It's a scoreless game okay, maybe I go out of bounds here. Maybe I don't take that safety, you know, shoulder on, even though I've got that guy by four inches and 40 pounds. Um, So I think all of those things are what you would like to see him go through this season. And by no means am I saying he needs to change or he should change, because you don't draft him four overall if you don't believe in the run element, the leg element, his physicality helping you out in critical moments. But I think some tinkering, some altering of that is – possible i I think we saw that even with luck i know that ultimately ended his career but you know in in 2018 he he changed his style as a quarterback and coming back from that so uh, that's why I, i do think it's important to get this learning experience and get exposure to that because he didn't have a lot of it in college and nfl speed and nfl hits are different and that's why in the comparisons with luck on one end i can agree with them but on the other end they're not really any sort of comparison because when you think back to luck's first few seasons while he was taking some hits it's not like he ever popped up on the injury report or ever missed game I mean he played every single game his first three seasons it was that Jarrell Casey hit in week three of his um, of his fourth season where he suffered that first injury and I don't know maybe that was general wear and tear from the first three yeah seasons. it was the yeah, extension
0: of the play yeah and and I mean his signature Kev was extension of the play and that was all great that was right? the
3: lacerated kidney yeah. in Denver, yeah and, that's and, what came then yeah. later uh, in that 2015 season but he had the shoulder issue he missed two games and then he has the lacerated kidney I think he had a concussion maybe in 2016 and to me a lot of it not to get back in luck but like a lot of it was choosing not to have surgery after that 2015 season I think that's where you have a little regret of, you know, if you do have surgery, then do you correct it? Because in 2016, that was when he missed, I think it was every Thursday in practice, he missed that year to kind of tone back on how much he was throwing with that injured shoulder, but he was playing through it. So I think with Richardson, it's, okay, can you try and get ahead of some of that stuff? But again, you know, Richardson's played five quarters and he's had three different injuries. Luck went, you know, three years into his career before he suffered that 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 first injury that forced him to miss you know practice and or game time.
0: You you agree though that that luck was was reckless and this is by design design runs and such. You you agree with that? Because I, I got one more question before I let you go. Kevin Bowen joins us. If you do, I want to add to this uh, because I feel the same way regarding Jalen Hurts because I think they're going to reach a point in Philly one of these days too. When does continuing to run? you know, Hertz or, or Richardson, at what point, when do you think is that will be to when calling him with so many runs and, you know, doing what they like to do right now and are going to continue to do with him, when does that become as reckless as luck running down the field and not sliding and taking on a linebacker? At what point? Have you given yourself a shelf life, a timetable on this?
3: Yeah, there's so, it's just so much gray area, John. It, it's difficult to like uh, try and say no, you should have X amount of carries a game, or no, you don't run until third down, right? Or, you don't run until the second half. I mean, it, it, it's just difficult. I feel like to give and like a, an answer that I have any sort of conviction on, because again, it's such an element that makes him potentially elite and why you draft him at four overall. I, I would say to answer it, it is. Maybe not the amount, but it's one of those things where, okay, when you are in the open field, you've got to be more cognizant of where those hits could be coming from, and you've got to know down and distance. And I know it's a lot of thinking in the in the instinctual moment. Like Josh Allen, he's been in the league for this long, and he's – I mean, that, that dude takes so many – in my opinion unnecessary hits. Well, I mean and I mean, he calls his he,
0: he calls his own number game. on he calls his own number yeah. on many of those hits and that's I think what you're going to get with Richardson one of these days too.
3: Right, and that's I think you're worried. Now, Allen has proven to be really healthy. I know last year he was a little banged up, but he's played a ton. Again, Richardson, I don't think we have much of a sample size to know if he is going to be injury prone or or not. 64255 would say no, but early in his NFL career um, you know, there's evidence to say otherwise. So, I, again, I time, pick time and place a little bit better if you're Shane Steichen, but still, you can't totally eliminate it, and you shouldn't totally eliminate it, or why do you draft the guy at four overall? It's not like if you tell him, no, Anthony, you run two times this whole game and you chuck 45 passes, he's not going to, I mean, maybe it'll change, but right now, he, he's not going to be the quarterback that you would think he could be. I think it's more of just, can you avoid some of the unnecessary hits when the plays are not the end all be all fourth yeah. down. We've got to have this to extend the game, those sorts of plays. And, and probably week one is an example of that. I mean, think about how he ended that game An incredible effort on a fourth down when you're down 10 points with under 90 seconds to go, an incredible effort on fourth down to move the chains where he broke a tackle. I mean, took a big hit, broke a tackle. And then two plays later, he drives do the same thing. And ultimately that was the hit that knocked him out of it. So Again, I don't think you can just take the element out of it. But right now, I mean, all three of the injuries have occurred out of the pocket. It's not like we've had the big 300 pounder, you know, lay on him after a sack like Luck had back when Jarrell Casey, you know, hit him in that
0: 2015 season. How's Sweebo going in the morning? Sweebo's good.
3: Um, he's happy about his Giants, uh, certainly uh, bouncing back, and he's happy the,
0: about Does uh, he make you talk uh, about the Giants?
3: We do talk a little New York Giants, yeah. We've God. also talked Will Levis' ex-girlfriend as well. That has crept into – Does he have a little um, sports a little arousal? He's got
0: a little sports arousal over Levis' ex-girlfriend, does he?
3: Well, I, I, I think he hates Levis if I have it uh. right. But maybe there is – he certainly has a Giants, uh, New York Giants arousal. Um, so he's very much looking forward to tomorrow night. Obviously, Mason was born.
0: Right on, Mason. Uh, was right it? on.
3: This time last week. So, you know, Andy refers to him as a gas bag. That would be Andy calls himself a gas bag. So I got him a Giants onesie that says Little Gas on the back. <laughs> I, I figured that was fitting. He's a boy. Yep. Um, I'm hoping Nikki, his wife, would will allow for little gas to rock this for a Giants game up. Maybe tomorrow night. Maybe that's the boost Brian Dable needs without Saquon Barkley as a 10 point underdog against the 49ers. So, uh, how, yeah, are Giants,
0: how are it. you a Giants? How are you from Northern Kentucky and a Giants fan? By the way, how's that work?
3: So he explained this. He was born the, – the the Giants aspect I'm still confused by because, if I'm not mistaken, he was born like in the Niagara Falls area. That was oh, really? That like was more Bills than
0: Giants. Well, that doesn't sound as hillbilly um, as I thought he was then. Huh.
3: No, no, no. Now, he, again, he lived in the Sellersburg area. First. Yeah.
0: Well, that's incredibly hillbilly there, that. yes. <laughs> that, did, yeah. that is very he, hillbilly. He, that's he, northern he Kentucky. In,
3: in, indoor plumbing down there.
0: Yeah, Northern Kentucky. Well, hey, give him my best, and uh, congratulations on uh, on Mason and uh, our best to his wife, Nikki. And continue to do what you're doing with the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy, or as I call it, Sweebo, weekday mornings beginning at 7 a.m. Right here. All right, brother. All right, go back to doing with what you're doing. Napping, doing whatever, prepping, whatever. Thinking about what you're going to ask, Dyken. So...
3: Yeah, mowing the lawn and thinking back to, man, asking those girls at sports at about 2.30 a.m., just questions that I thought the answer would be there, and it was certainly not. Brother, you played the game. I felt like us as Reds fans, to be honest with you.
0: You played the game. I mean, you got to get up there. You got to swing hard. All right. That's all that matters. And then sometimes maybe you'll find a gapper. See, this all sounds really bad in how I'm putting this. <laughs> <Gapper>. My fault.
2: <laughs>
3: Boy, I will end with this. as my good friend Chris Fangman wrote <laughs> in his uh, senior senior year quote from Chris Fangman. You miss 100% of the shots you yeah. don't take. I think someone like you
0: could appreciate that. I'm sure Maddie hates your calls with me every Wednesday, too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it, man. See you, John.